Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. My co-hosts are Jen Sanasi, Will Foxley, and Wendy O. We're here to get you caught up on the day's crypto news. Wendy is leading us off, taking us to Europe. All right. So it seems on this beautiful Taco Tuesday that Europe is far more advanced than America. And this makes sense. Europe's first spot Bitcoin ETF lists in Amsterdam. London-based Jacobi, I almost butchered that. I almost did. Asset management listed Europe's first Bitcoin spot ETF on Euronext Amsterdam. Euronext is a pan-entrepreneurial platform that provides trading post-trade services for a range of financial instruments. And the ETF is regulated by Guernsey, oof, Financial Services Commission. The ticker is Bcoin, which I'm sure we have some altcoins somewhere named that. Um, and the custody is for the fund is provided by Fidelity, which is a very interesting choice. And I feel like that is the big piece of the story here. And the trading firm Flow Traders is the market maker. The ETF was first approved almost two years ago, but pushed back its plans due to market conditions and situations like the collapse of Terra and FTX. But I don't think the collapse of Terra and FTX happened until a year ago. So I wonder why it took them so long to launch. We were in the midst of a bull run. Um, Jen, I'm going to toss this to you for fun. Sure. And don't worry, I butchered the name this morning. So that so you were able to correct it for me. Um, so I wanted to say the they got approval in 2021. And when they got that approval, they said they planned to list it in 2022. And then we had all of the events of 2022 that pushed to um, the launch this year, or so the story goes. The interesting part of this ETF for me is that there's this decarbonized digital asset fund that goes along with it. This is compliant with Article 8 of the European Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation. I'm not in Europe, so I have no idea what that means. But I think that's really interesting, right? We have this ETF that's launching in Europe. It's the first one in Europe, and they're taking this like ESG narrative very much to heart. It feels almost like a blast from the past, but they're introducing it 
in a new way. So I am not going to try and describe what's going on. I will completely uh, butcher it. But apparently this new offering is different from carbon offsets. Uh, the CEO said whilst offsets can be used for any aspect of a company's carbon footprint, this one is particularly focused on electricity consumption. So that kind of goes hand in hand with Bitcoin. With that information, I want to pass it to you, Will, and ask you what you think about this environmental aspect of the ETF. Do you think we're going to see more ETFs offer this? Could it appease regulators and get more institutional investors interested? Yeah, I think it does do that, right? Because everyone wants to purchase Bitcoin, but there's a stigma associated with it. And most people are just not interested in like delving into it, right? Like they read headlines or like Bitcoin has this environmental problem. And that's as far as they're going to go into it. But they still want the exposure to Bitcoin. So here's a nice handoff, right? Like I can buy Bitcoin, I can get exposure to it. And I don't have to feel bad about it because there's some sort of like carbon scheme associated with it. I think you're going to see that more and more with these ETF products. Like this is the first one in Europe to be launched. We're going to see them in the US hopefully this year. And a lot of them do have some sort of like carbon scheme uh, associated with them. There's been a lot of Bitcoin mining ones. There's been a lot of stuff with Bitcoin mining where they've added some sort of carbon scheme as well able to offset things. So in the event that an investor does purchase something, they don't feel too bad about purchasing this thing. Uh, I think to Zach's point, we've talked about this on the show over the last two years. This is something that's just going to trail Bitcoin no matter what. Like It's always just going to be there. Zach? I think there's like also a fine distinction here around like ETPs, ETFs, ETNs. Because like Europe has a lot of crypto ETPs. And I think that ETFs are a subset of ETPs. So I feel like some of this this is like distinction without significant meaning, right? Like a lot of these European markets, especially in Switzerland, have listed a lot of these ETPs over the last three, four, five years, right? Like even fairly obscure ones, right? Like a like a Polkadot ETP or a Cardano ETP, right? So I think the European market to Wendy's original point is far more advanced as it relates to ETPs related to crypto assets than the US market. And I think it, it always strikes me as so odd that, you know, seemingly well-intentioned smart people in the regulatory class on opposite sides of the Atlantic can come to wildly different conclusions about whether or not they should support these products for their markets, right? So I think, again, like the background here, of course, is this wave of spot Bitcoin ETF applications in the US that are still languishing in like bureaucratic purgatory, right? And have been for years, where in Europe, we see, again, further momentum, whether it's ETP, ETF, ETN, again, that distinction those distinctions are a bit lost on me because I'm not a financial professional or planner. But you know th- that is the subtext, right? Europe moving ahead, US languishing behind. And I think that is very much the story that's animating a lot of these you know, more Wall Street friendly Bitcoin plays is like, okay, can we like advance the conversation? We've been having the same thing over and over again, where the SEC just gets out the big like rejected stamp uh, after dragging the process on for months and months and months. So I don't know. I'm just hoping that sometimes... Yeah, At some point, this will break. But so far, the SEC has held strong despite our insistence that they maybe reconsider things. But I got to toss to Wendy for her last thoughts on this one for sure. Really quickly, why are we associating digital assets with climate change? I feel like there's other factors (laughs) and other um, ways that humans consume that are a lot more detrimental um, to the climate than a digital asset. I think it's just the mining part, right? It's so energy intensive. There's no really way of getting around that. So I think that stigma will always be there. And you can financially engineer your way around it. Sometimes it works. It works for some investors. But for the most part, like that stigma will always be there because there's an energy component for Bitcoin. You killed Wendy, Will. 
You know what, old man? Will is going to be the man in front of his house, yelling into the abyss, watering the yard. And like, <laughs> like these below zero temperature, just yelling into the abyss. Get off my yard when there's nobody there and he's in the middle of nowhere in um, some remote area. Maybe in the desert. I don't know. That will be Will. Time watering the desert. Will tell. That's just how much you lost it, Will. You just be watering the dry, dry desert. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Before we move on to the next story, I believe that all those TradFi ETFs that are on that beautiful graphic that our control room was just showing are up for a decision in September. But many, many people think that we're going to see another delay. So we will wait and see what happens in September with those ETFs. Let's move on to Celsius. A poll is on the horizon. Celsius is planning to pull customers on launching a new user-owned company. The bankrupt crypto lender has received permission from the court to start surveying account holders on its new proposal. This new plan is to start fresh under new management led by investment firm Arrington Capital, with customers being repaid in part through equity in the new company. Wendy, I'm passing this off to you because I believe that you should be receiving a request to participate in this poll. You were a customer of Celsius. How many exchanges have I used in 2020 and before or whatever that have filed for bankruptcy? Almost all of them. I can name pretty much all of them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just, I personally don't care anymore. Anytime an exchange goes under, one of my first exchanges that went under was Cryptopia. I lost quite a bit of money there relative to what I was making back in, I think it was 2018. So if I lose money on an exchange, then I lose money on an exchange and I'm just, I don't expect anything good to come of it. I've also been on so many different exchanges that implemented KYC and I forgot to take my coins off of those and it caused a lot of issues as well. So I lost money. So I'm very um, infamous at losing money um, in crypto, but you just, you know, you just open a hundred times leverage long and you make it all back in one trade. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's not financial advice. Well, well, maybe Wendy. Let me give you more information. You can tell us how you how what you think of it. At least, maybe not how you would vote. So they're planning to redistribute two billion dollars of Bitcoin and Ether. Um, the sell tokens are not part of this because the SEC and the court see sell tokens as equity. So in a regular bankruptcy, this would go away, and there would be some kind of partial ownership. Along with this, the judge is saying that the new company needs to give documents that educate customers on the volatility of the industry and the pros and cons of mining. Unfortunately, I think that those disclosures are really good. But unfortunately, I feel like our regulatory landscape in the United States has done such a horrible job of actually protecting retail. So I don't necessarily know if it's going to make any difference or not. I feel like people that were using those types of platforms understand how volatile crypto assets are now. And um I don't really have anything else much to say about it. I think that there's a lot of paperwork that's being done. There's a lot of attorney's fees and a lot of money was heavily wasted. And it's just a very unfortunate thing that happens in bankruptcy, not just in crypto, though. People don't understand that any company can file for bankruptcy. And there's always people that are getting hit hard with that. I mean, I feel like the bankruptcy for crypto is going to be a lot different than a lot of these traditional industries that file for bankruptcy. I have a really good friend and he works for a collection agency at a law firm. And their top creditor is China. And so they do a lot of collections on all that stuff. And I've talked to him about kind of what's happening in the crypto landscape. And he's just, his industry is very, 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 very excited to learn how to um, read blockchain and to start going after people, which is what we're going to be seeing coming soon. 
first of all, credit to Michael Arrington for having a bit of humor in the situation and naming it Fahrenheit. So that's firstly should be stated, right? Celsius, Fahrenheit, get it? Haha, <laughs> cool. All right, that's good. good. Second it's of all, I want to, I want to throw this to you, Will. I mean, I think the subtext of this article is basically like Celsius had a huge mining operation, right? And the question is like, how do we proceed with that line of business and whether or not that becomes sort of the thing that this new entity is known for rather than these sort of shady lending practices that led to the downfall of Celsius and others. Like, talk to me about sort of that mining subtext that I think is uh, in this story. Yeah, this is one of those stories I wish I'd been paying attention to a little bit more because it, it was like within all like the filth and mud of like FTX and all the other stories that collapsed over the last year. And Celsius was one I just didn't delve into. The things we do know about Celsius is they did have a lot of assets like Bitcoin and Ether on their books, and they did liquidate a lot of their tokens into those two tokens themselves. I think it's like $2 billion are on the books, and they need to distribute all those to different customers. But also, they need to uh, get this mining site up again, right? And they had well over 80,000 Bitcoin mining ASICs. They had lots of contracts all over the place, like good energy contracts. Those were taken over by a conglomerate with Fahrenheit. Part of that conglomerate is Harrington Capital, but Another part of it is U.S. Bitcoin Core, which is a pretty large Bitcoin miner out there that is looking towards a merger with Hut8, a Canadian company. And with this possible merger of U.S. Bitcoin and Hut8, and then the possibility of Fahrenheit getting all these Bitcoin miners, it looks like they have done that. They could become potentially one of the biggest Bitcoin miners in North America. So like within the ashes of this whole story, we're seeing something else rise up, which is like one of the largest Bitcoin miners in North America. That's, that's something to sniff at. Um, it's going to be a pretty big deal going into next year. Jen? Well, I guess, Will, with that information, how would you vote if you were a creditor in this? It sounds like there could potentially be like a pretty good upside if they if they voted yes and move forward with this and, and Celsius, but due to that merger, becomes like one of the biggest miners in the world. Jen? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly all the details of this, right? Like there could be some stuff that's really awesome for everyone involved. I'd have to look at it a little bit more in depth. But from the Bitcoin mining side, this does look like a pretty ingenious scheme out of what's happening right now. So I have to just delve into a little bit more to understand what's going to happen with all the other assets. There's $2 billion in Bitcoin Ether that needs to be distributed to people. That's a lot. I do know that they're promising like 85 cents to the dollar to be returned uh, for the whole process. So that's pretty good in terms of Chapter 11 cases. My only concern is is that we're going to get super far in the case and then the SEC or another regulatory body is going to step in and say, no, you can't do that because they did do that with Voyager. And so people ended up getting a lot less because I believe they were affiliated with Binance US. So who knows what's going to happen? Me personally, if I get anything back great, if I don't get anything back great, I'm just kind of, you know, I understand it's crypto. Stuff happens. (laughs) Okay. You guys ready to talk to Argentina? Yeah, sure. Are we gonna? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Are we gonna get historical with it? Because if yeah. so, oh, yeah, I'm we're in. historical with it. All right, but Scott, don't you Argentinian worry. Argentinian food is really good, though. They have like the skirt steaks with like the chimichurri sauce, and it's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Do a little history Plus one food on that. Mm-hmm. Too. I'm Plus one now. on that. I'm in. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Javier Mele won the primary for the presidential election earlier this week, commanding about thirty percent of the vote against two other parties that came in about 28% and 29% respectively. And now we're waiting for another election to see if he can win 45% of the vote. He was expected to only pull in at third place. But the fact the libertarian candidate who wants to dollarize the country and is pro-Bitcoin made first place in this primary means that his opportunity to seize the presidency 
pretty high. Now, why does this matter? Well, let's go back in time. Over its history, Argentina, since its freedom and independence from Spain, has defaulted nine times over various decades, the most recent being in 2020, 2014, and 2001. Its chronic defaults have led to a lot of pressure on the economy, inability to grow, and a lot of problems for local populations, which have seen its currency devalue time and time again and high interest rates. It's led to Argentina actually being one of the highest countries for crypto penetration, with DAI, Bitcoin, and Ether being common units of account all over the country. Uh, Ethereum is a huge community and ecosystem with Argentina because of the history of defaults. And now with a possible pro-Bitcoin president coming into office in October, again, possibly there's still more elections to come, we could see even further advances of crypto within the country. Jen, I'll throw it to you for your take. Yeah, so I was reading on Bloomberg this morning the, about the reaction, what, ha- what has happened in the country since this vote. And it just sounds like it is getting very dire there for, um, for people. The Bloomberg is reporting that Argentine shops have been hit with 20% price hike overnight from suppliers. So this is hitting everyone from like salons to cafes, coffee shops, 18% devaluation of the peso announced after the vote, uh, 115% inflation. That's been going on there uh, for a while. People are afraid that hyperinflation could return. And I just, I, I wonder to see how this will play out because while he is pro Bitcoin, the story says that there are no plans to introduce Bitcoin as legal tender like they have in El Salvador. And so I'm just curious how we start to address the issues of the people who are living in Argentina who are experiencing these things that Bloomberg reported this morning. And I don't know if being pro Bitcoin solves that. And it would be interesting to see you know, how countries like Argentina maybe look at what's happening in El Salvador and start introducing things. But at the same time, you need infrastructure. There needs to be a plan in place. It takes a really long time to get these things going and then to get small business owners like cafes and salons to start using Bitcoin as legal tender to start to bring people away from the economy that has been failing them. And so I don't know what to make of the story. I just feel for the people in Argentina right now. Wendy? So I want to take this a step further. When I hear that there is a public servant or somebody is bullish on Bitcoin or is keeping an open mind about it, that makes me think, hey, they probably have the same alignment I do when we're talking about money, when we're talking about inflation, when we're talking about the underdogs. So even though there's not necessarily plans to integrate Bitcoin as legal tender like El Salvador, that definitely tells me that this person that is running for office is going to be a little bit more conservative fiscally and could potentially do better for the particular local economy than somebody that was not pro-Bitcoin. Because let's face it, most of the people in America that we have in power now, money printer go burr. Just money printer go burr. We're sending money to all of these different places. We keep printing and that kind of falls back on the taxpayer. As far as inflation in Argentina and all that stuff goes, I'm not there, so I can't comment on it too much. I just think it's absolutely horrible. And it's so sad that the underdogs and just average people are the ones that are suffering because of the poor policies and the poor actions of our public servants. So to me, when I hear that a public servant is pro-Bitcoin, it makes me a little bit more likely to do additional due diligence on them and possibly support them because they have the same type of mentality that I do when it comes to money. Yeah, the comments in this piece are pretty interesting, right? Past comments from this guy, you know, just outright saying, quote, central banking is a scam, right? You know, this is stuff that you would hear on, you know, your average crypto podcast. And this is someone who has a decent shot of becoming president in a pretty major economy here in the Western Hemisphere. So the idea that uh, these ideas could advance into the system in some way is super interesting. 
Jen, I think your point is very well made about the immediate ramifications, anxiety, fears around some of these changes. But it is interesting that the, the primary part of his proposal is the dollarization of the Argentinian economy. What that would look like, I think, in a pretty big place in South America would be really interesting. It might open the door, I guess, for, again, as Will mentioned, the usage of stable coins, the usage of other cryptocurrencies, the usage of other sort of private sector innovations in the monetary space could become a really interesting example in a bigger economy than El Salvador's, right? But again, it's all preliminary. It's early days. Some of the comments that have been made by this guy are super interesting and super in line with a lot of people in the crypto space. Will, what do you think? Yeah, last thought for me is just going back to like Argentina's early days. It used to be one of the big powerhouses of Western Hemisphere, even like the global economy. We talked about food a second ago. Like beef was a huge part of like their own entire economy, and that's where you know you get the whole story as well, like the cattle ranches down there. Uh, but they just had so much political turmoil, like military dictatorships, and then also central banking caused a lot of problems. Just depending on how you look at the situation, and you see a candidate who's pro Bitcoin come up, and you see the the way that crypto has made inroads into communities there. And you start looking and be like, hey, maybe like Argentina's best days are out of it. It's a pretty exciting story. All right, let's go north. Let's go to Canada. This is a Gen story, but I'm introducing it. <laughs> Canada is getting Coinbase. Pretty crazy. There's not a lot of major crypto exchanges in Canada. There's not even Venmo in Canada. And now Coinbase is rolling out to Canada, our neighbors to the north. I got to throw it to Jen. What's your thoughts on this one? Canada establishing a Canadian presence. I think interesting also, like we get a history corner, Will, I'm going to hit my history corner you later, history corner of Canadian crypto exchanges kind of having their own issues in the past. But what do you, what do you think, Jen? Yeah, we'll go to Will for the Canadian history segment. So Coinbase has been available to Canadian citizens. I have been able to fund my account through an Interact Visa card, so like a debit Visa card, but it doesn't work with some banks. And so I'm curious to see if the Canadian banks are supporting the, the funding or there are still some banks that are, are not on board with, with crypto. So that'll be interesting. I will test it out. I will let you know. Um, but this is really exciting. So I just want to, I think there are some people who think that we didn't have Coinbase before. We have Coinbase. They are just officially launching. I think this is really interesting as we see um, exchanges like Binance and a few others leave Canada saying that the regulatory environment is just too tough to navigate. And then we see Coinbase, who's up against the SEC in the US saying Canada is actually the next biggest market for us. And we're focusing here. Uh, before we pass it off to Will for History Corner, I really love that as part of doing this official launch in Canada, Coinbase is investing in Canadian tech and developer talent. There's so much talent here in Canada that just leaves Canada. Eventually, they you know work in the tech industry, they probably go to the University of Waterloo, and then they decide to up and go to the US. And I love that Coinbase is staying here. Don't, Will, don't say it, okay? Vitalik, Vitalik. Can I say it? CZ. Yeah. There's some talent leaving Canada soon. I don't know. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Well, maybe. I (laughs) I did a video on this yesterday and I actually read the announcement that Coinbase gave. Coinbase is working very closely with banks and with regulators and a lot of different entities there to ensure they're doing everything 100% by the books. I also remember seeing something along the lines is that they feel very confident that if they can do things correctly in Canada, then they can showcase that to the US and other areas as well. So I think it's very bullish. I think it's very exciting for Canada because I don't even know what's going on with you guys anymore. You used to be able to use leverage in Canada, then all of a sudden they took it away. And then they had all this drama with the truckers and all the things and people and their money. 
So I think that this is good. I think that Coinbase is going to do things as legally as possible. They have a lot of money. They've got a great legal team. And I think if there is any type of regulatory issues um, or any problem with them expanding to that market, they wouldn't have done it. And I just think I feel that Binance um, is under a lot more heavy legal scrutiny just because everybody loves to hate CZ. Again, not saying that Binance is 100% good. I'm just simply saying if you follow the trails of media headlines, Binance was consistently attacked time and time again. So can I just just say super super quickly, this has nothing to do with Coinbase, but Canada, my parents, someone came to my parents door the other day, and like with a pamphlet that was like a fake $20 bill with information on CBDCs and digital currency on the back and like told my parents, yeah, like educating door to door with a physical pamphlet. I Loved it. Wait, I I have a question about that. Who were they? Like, what what organization did they come from? I think they were against the Canadian government. I went to the website and it was just felt very. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know who they were. I'm not door to door anti CBDC salesman. (laughs) That's something. There you have it. There you have it. All right. Sorry, Will. You don't get to history cornrows anymore. It shows okay, over. I didn't have much. That's it. Pack it in. That's it for the show today. You're done. I'm Zach. That's Will, Jen, Wendy. We'll see you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.